hello, my name's Avril. I'm an occasional preacher at St. George's Church, and I do work in palliative care, but that's not what I'm going to be talking about today, but I'm sure we can work it out somehow. So this evening, um, we're looking at John chapter 11, verse 1 to 44, um, the death of Lazarus. But um, having read this through, um, it's, it's long, and there are at least 10 different subjects that um, I could talk on length about. So um, as I only have 15 minutes and a very small brain, I'm just going to read from uh, verses 1 to 7. So um, that's John chapter 11, verses 1 to 7. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany and the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus, now lay sick. It was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When Jesus heard this, he said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. So we just, I'm just going to look at that small section of, of this chapter, but I will touch on a few other, other bits. So um, once I went to a healing retreat in Wales with a lovely group of ladies from church. Um, every day we gathered at the church and worship, we heard a talk and we prayed. At the end of the weekend, people were invited up to share what God had done for them. We were really privileged to hear and see God work in miraculous ways. But because this was a healing retreat, there was a row of people at the back of the church in wheelchairs with oxygen cylinders, some very frail, some clearly really unwell. All I could see were these people at the back of the church. It didn't matter to me that several people had received miracles and healing. My concern was the people sitting at the back of the church. All that mattered to me was why God had not healed everybody. Why had he chosen to heal some people and not others? Why didn't he answer everybody's prayer for help? I suspect that all of us have had a Lazarus moment in our lives, a time when we've asked God to help us, to heal us, to bring an outcome we want, and God delays or nothing happens, or we can't hear him, or we can't feel him. At the least, this can bring disappointment, and we begin to doubt God's love for us, and at worst, it can erode our trust and our faith in God. In verse 3, the sisters send Jesus a message. They say, Lord, the one you love is sick. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sisters and Lazarus. He had a deep personal relationship with the three of them. They were like his family, and Lazarus was the one who he loved. 
Mary and Martha didn't feel the need to elaborate on his condition um, any further because they believed that the fact that, that um, Lazarus had a loving friendship with Jesus would have been enough to bring him running straight away at the news of his sickness to help and comfort and heal. But no, he didn't come. It's hard to explain his actions. He loved them, but he didn't come. Lazarus was his best friend. Why didn't he come running? It makes no sense to me. He, de he delayed for an extra two days, by which time Lazarus was dead. Can you imagine how Mary and Martha must have felt? Jesus chose to delay and Lazarus died. They must have been devastated. They must have questioned everything they knew about him or that they thought they knew about him. His love, his friendship, his motives, even their understanding of who they believed that he was. Was he really the son of God? As often in the case of Jesus, he had a larger and greater plan in mind. That went, it went far beyond Mary and Martha's understanding. He hints at it in verse 4. He says this sickness will not end in death. But Mary and Martha weren't there when he said that. So they didn't hear his words. They were just bereft. So from the perspective of Mary and Martha, Jesus was just too late. He didn't care enough. Had he let them down? Had he failed them? In the passage, we go on to see that in verse 21, Martha was really angry with Jesus. She said to him, why, why did you not come? If you had been here, he would still be alive. It was as simple as that. Can you imagine her anger, her sadness, that overwhelming sense of disappointment, but that devastation? Martha, a bit like me in my chapel in Wales, wanted Jesus to show up perform a miracle, heal those who were suffering and sick. That's what I wanted, and that's what I knew he was capable of doing. I know that Jesus is capable of doing that. So why did he choose not to? I wanted to see someone get up out of a wheelchair and walk down to the front of the church healed, because that would have just been amazing. I had trooped all the way to Wales, and if I was ever going to see something incredible with all these holy people in this church, it would be now. So come on, Jesus, do your thing. I'm ashamed to say, and on a very selfish level, it would have done wonders for my faith. My motives were questionable, to say the least. I decided, with a slightly stroppy attitude, to go and ask the key speaker, Ross Parker, who happens to be a spiritual giant and a key speaker who's written many books on healing, I decided to go and ask him a question. I asked him why God had healed some people and not others. Why had he not been there to answer everybody's cry for help? And he said to me, something that I've thought about a lot ever since, he said to me, even Lazarus went on to die after he was raised from the dead. And that was all he said. And I was sent away. 
But we live in a world where people get sick, they suffer, they die. Loved ones are separated, pain is overwhelming. This is not the world that God would have chosen for us to live in, with death and grief and pain. This is not what he wants for his children that he loves. When we die, we will be in our Heavenly Father's home, eternally healed, and that's when the miracle will take place. For those people at the back of the church, healing for them will come in the next world. It's not for this one. In the next world, we'll be free from sadness, pain, and suffering. This makes me really uncomfortable because I want to fix things now. I want to make things better now, especially within the last year of what we've all had to go through. I want Jesus to make things better now. I tend to focus very much on the physical life and what I can see before me. The healing and the pain and the suffering, I want that now. What I thought was the right thing for Jesus to do was just to heal. Say the word, Jesus, we know you can do it. Make these people better. I found myself thinking that I know better. I think this is what you should do, God. Why aren't you doing it? How ridiculous that I would think that I know better than God. He sees things from an eternal perspective. God sees the whole picture, and we see just the most minute, tiny piece. In the case of Lazarus, God sees the glory at the end of the story. God truly and completely knows what's best for us, physically, emotionally, and spiritually, in this world and in the next. Sometimes God chooses not to show up or delay an answer to our prayers, and I don't know why. And this can be devastating on so many levels. It can affect our faith, our trust, our ability to love him and feel his love. And at times we have to face a terrible disappointment. But there is one absolute certainty that we can lean on. Whether we can see him or hear him or feel him or not. And that is that Jesus loves us. And don't mistake human love for heavenly love. They're not even comparable. Jesus loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus. He has always loved us. And his love for us will never end. God doesn't change. He is good. He has a deep and overwhelming love that we will never ever understand until we meet him. God is love. The knowledge of this must be the anchor in all of our lives. Trust me, we will all experience unanswered prayer 
or prayer that is not answered how we want it to be, or sometimes just silence, sometimes just nothing, no reply at all. The way we process our disappointment determines whether it's faith that propels us on or fear that paralyzes us. We must not reject God, but rely on him even more. Choosing to call him father with a mixture of desperation and hope. Militantly believing that although our prayers remain unanswered, it is not because God is callous or uncaring. He is love. Sometimes it seems that faith only really becomes faith when God doesn't do what we want him to do. It's easy to believe when God is answering all of our prayers, when he turns up, when we want him to and when we need him, when you see the Holy Spirit move, when the daily Bible passage speaks directly to us, and when we see the miraculous or hear miraculous testimony, then it's so much easier. But when God is silent and you can't feel his presence and our prayers are not being answered, then we might come to question his love for us. We might doubt our faith. Do you have the faith to follow him anyway? Do you trust him? Do we believe in Romans 8, verse 28? In all things, God works for the good of those who love him. Do we trust him to work out all things for the good of his glory? Just cling on to the God that you know. And I think this last year, a lot of us have, to ha have had to cling on to the God that we know. We have to dig deep into our knowledge of who God is. What is his character? What is he like? How has he helped me in my life so far? What does it say in the Bible about the nature of God? He loves us. He loves us. He loves us. And when he is silent, he is not absent. Matthew 28 verse 20, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I went through a difficult time a few years ago. I was turned down for ministry and it was a really tough time. And I mentioned this to a friend of mine. Actually, it's Tim Hodgson. I hope he doesn't mind me mentioning it. It's him. I mentioned to him that I had prayed and prayed and prayed to God about it, and I'd heard nothing, and I felt nothing, and I felt really abandoned, and God felt distant. And why, when life is tough, does God sometimes, is God sometimes so very quiet? And he just said to me very casually, oh yeah, that's very normal. Tim said, yeah, that's really normal. And I find that God has done that a lot in my life too. That's what Tim said. He found that God had done that in his life as well. 
Now I respect and admire him. And so it was really helpful for me to hear that he'd experienced the same thing. And that it's perfectly normal. And, and God hadn't singled me out for the silent treatment. I hadn't done anything wrong. It's just that God does that sometimes. I always want God for the right here and the right now. Whereas he sees the bigger picture, the heavenly perspective. And I need to learn to trust him. Look at verse 25 and to 27. Jesus says to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? He said that to Martha. Do you believe this? And she said, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God. From Martha's point of view, Jesus had let her down. He didn't do what she hoped and wanted him to do. But that absolutely didn't change her understanding of who he was and what he was capable of doing. Her faith stood strong. Even though she felt angry and let down and devastated at the loss of her brother in that moment, she knew that deep down Jesus was the son of God and he loved her. He loved her and he loved Lazarus unconditionally. And finally, I can't talk about this passage without talking about verse 35, where it, said, where it says, Jesus wept. Jesus got to Lazarus' tomb, and when he was greeted with the sadness and grief of his friends and the death of Lazarus, Lazarus he wept. He loved Lazarus and his family. And when he was confronted with their emotional pain, coupled with his own personal loss, he cried. Jesus is the son of God, but he is also human and feels deeply the pain that we feel. He participates in our pain and is with us in our disappointment. And when we come to the glory, sorry, and then we come to the glory at the end of the story, Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. Why didn't he just do that to start off with? Well, I think it's because he wanted to show people who he was. He wanted everybody to see what he was capable of, that he has power over life and death. Jesus displays the full magnificence of his humanity with empathy and tears, but also the fullness of his deity in a display of power and strength, revealing the majesty of his glory as he overcomes Lazarus' death. There is no doubt we can live in a world full of tension where we struggle to grasp the incomprehensible workings of the Holy Spirit. 
yet we can always hold fast to Jesus' humanity, his tears, his pain, and his compassion. We can cry out, weep with me, Lord. Lord, will you weep with me? I don't need answers. All I need is to know that you care for me. We can know this with a certainty that what is true in the light is still true in the darkness. That our God is kind and full of compassion just as he displays here to Mary and Martha. Amen. I just quickly would like to pray. Heavenly Father, as we come to a day of compassion on Tuesday, of deep thought and deep grief, we ask, Father, that people will turn to you and know that you will comfort them, you will help them, you will hold them in their sadness, and that you completely understand their pain. In Jesus' name we ask this. Amen.